0: Good morning. Oh, boy, that light comes on you, wakes you up. It is good to see you guys today. My name is Damian Thompson. I'm one of the pastors on staff here, and I get the pleasure of getting to spend the next few minutes with you as we continue uh, walking through the life of David and his passionate pursuit of God. Uh, last week we were blessed in that Pastor Tyler took us through uh, the 21st chapter of, of 1 Samuel. And, and David's got some uh, predicaments that are going on there, not exactly what we would call his best moments. Um, but, but what's significant about those moments is that how they set up what we're going to talk about today in chapter 22. So... If you uh, don't have a Bible, if you don't have Bible app available to you, go ahead and raise your hand. Ushers are ready to hook you up. With a Bible, and if you don't have one, if you don't own one, and you'd like to take this one home, please do. We would much rather you have a Bible than not. Online family, it is good to see you today. Blessings to you, you know, from wherever you guys are. Um, let me let me challenge you with this. Now we're we're gonna be reading a little bit of Scripture today. So if your Bible app and the screen you're using is, is all the same device, that might be a little tough. So if you got a Bible around somewhere, go and grab it. But you know what? If it isn't, it's all good. I'm gonna read it. Trust. Trust me, I think we're going to be all right. Church, we're going to be in the ESV today. For those of you in the Bible apps, just want to give you that heads up. All right, here we go. We're going to do a quick little recap to help us get to where we are today. So David is running from Saul. That seems to be a, a theme for him. Um, he heads to the city of Nob where the priest Ahimelech greets him. But not with the enthusiasm one uh, would greet the man who had slayed Goliath. Ahimelech uh, comes to him trembling. He's flat out scared. Um, but instead of shooting straight with him, David makes up this story of uh, being about the king's business, which was half true. He's, he is the king's business because the king is trying to kill him. Uh, and this false narrative uh, generates for David some, some food for his men, for himself, and a weapon to defend himself as well. But on the side bar, there's there's this guy, there's a witness to everything that's happening in this interaction, and his name is Doeg. D-O-E-G. I'm going to ask you guys to put that in your back pocket because we're going to hear from him. We're going to see him a little later on, all right? So then David runs to Gath, looking for shelter and protection. But again, he doesn't get the type of reception he's looking for. As a matter of fact, The king of Gath's servants remind David of his well-known reputation. They actually are quoted in verse 11 of chapter 21 of saying, is this not David, the king of the land? Did they not sing to one another of him in dances? Saul has struck down his thousands, David and his ten thousands. If you've been walking with this, that should sound a little familiar because that was an ongoing theme there. And um, David comes to what you would call an uh uh-oh moment right there because he just got called out because they basically say, yeah, we know who you are. And um, from here he's trying to figure out what is he going uh, to do next. Um, So he does what a normal person would do. He acts like someone who has no control of his faculties, drooling all over himself, runs around doing abnormal things like writing on walls, which is what kings normally don't do but the king of gath takes a step back and assesses this and goes he's a madman and don't i already have enough of those in my kingdom all right so i you know that brings us to where we are next okay so we're in 1 samuel chapter 22 we're going to read this whole chapter together okay so we're going to spend time reading on the front end and then we're going to spend some time in scripture reading at the back end all right okay here we go 1 Samuel chapter 22, and it reads, David departed from there and escaped to the cave of Adullam. And when his brothers and all his father's house heard it, they went down there to him. And everyone who was in distress and everyone who was in debt and everyone who was bitter in soul gathered to him. And he became commander over them. and And there were with him about 400 men. And David went from there to Mizpah of Moab. And he said to the king of Moab, Please let my father and mother stay with you till I know what God will do for me. And he left them with the king of Moab. And they stayed with him all the time that David was in the stronghold. Then the prophet Gad said to David, Do not remain in the stronghold. Depart and go to the land of Judah. So David departed and went into the forest of Hereth. Now Saul heard that David was discovered. And the men who were with him. Saul was sitting at Gibeah under the tamarisk tree on the height with his spear in hand. And all his servants were standing about him. And Saul said to his his servants who stood about him, hear now, people of Benjamin. Will the son of Jesse give every one of you fields and vineyards? Will he make you all commanders of thousands and commanders of hundreds that all of you have conspired against me? No one discloses to me when my son makes a covenant with the son of Jesse. None of you is sorry for me or discloses to me that my son has stirred up my servant against me to lie in wait as at this day. Then answered Doeg, the Edomite, who stood by the servants of Saul. I saw the son of Jesse coming to Nob, to Ahimelech, the son of Ahitub. And he inquired of the Lord for him and gave him provisions and gave him the sword of Goliath, the the Philistine. Then the king sent to summon Ahimelech the priest, the son of Ahitub, and all his father's house, the priests who were at Nob, and all of them came to the king. And Saul said, Hear now, son of Ahitub. And he answered, Here I am, my lord. And Saul said to him, Why have you conspired against me, you and the son of Jesse, in that you have given him bread and a sword and have inquired of God for him, so that he is risen against me to lie in wait as at this day? Then Ahimelech answered the king, And who among all your servants is so faithful as David? Who is the king's son-in-law and captain over your bodyguard and honored in your house? Is today the first time that I have inquired of God for him? No. Let not the king impute anything to his servant or to all of the house of my father. For your servant has known nothing of all this, much or little. And the king said, You shall surely die, Ahimelech, you and all your father's house. And the king said to the guard who stood about him, Turn and kill the priests of the Lord, because their hand is also with David, and they knew That he fled and did not disclose it to me, but the servants of the Lord, uh, would uh, servants of the king, excuse me, would not put out their hand to strike the priests of the Lord. Then the king said to Doeg, "You, turn, and strike the priests." And Doeg the Edomite turned and struck down the priests, and he killed on that day eighty-five persons who wore the linen ephod. And Nob, the city of the priests. He put to the sword both man and woman, child and infant, ox, donkey, and sheep he put to the sword. But one of the sons of Ahimelech, the son of Ahitub, and his name is Abiathar, a lot of A's here today, escaped and fled after David. And Abiathar told David that Saul killed the priests of the Lord. And David said to Abiathar, I knew on that day when doeg the edomite was there that he would surely tell Saul i have occasioned the death of all the persons of your father's house stay with me do not be afraid for he seeks my life for he who seeks my life <clears throat> seeks your life with me you shall be in safe keeping wow all right here we go, church. Today we are talking about the community price of the pursuit. Okay? There is a price that David's community is paying. And just so we can all be clear on who is David's community, it's no different than how we, are, uh, how we define community today. It is whomever is around us. So let's get into our first point, which is the price. For those who would like to fill in the blanks today, our first point is the price. Let's look at the price being paid by David and his community. And the first thing that we see is David is still running from Saul and seeking refuge. So he escapes the king of Gath and runs to the cave of Adullam. Now church, when someone is running from those in authority who have declared that this person has broken the law, what do we call them? We call him a fugitive. But the anointed king of Israel, the one who took down Goliath, the one who is consistently defeating the enemies of Israel over and over again, he has committed no crime. Yet here he is hiding in a cave. Next we see that his community is on the run. Okay? So as soon as his family knew where David was, here they come. Why? Which is a good question because this is David's issue and not theirs. But that's not how it worked in those days. You see, it was not uncommon that if someone in your family has committed an offense against the king, your entire family could be included in the consequence. And it looks like the house of Jesse is a fairly wise crew. So they make their way to David. Especially since where they live, as Bethlehem, is only about a three and a half hour walk. So that is not too far for the king to reach out and to harm that family. But these aren't the only ones who come to David. Scripture says everyone who was in distress, everyone who was in debt, everyone who was bitter in soul came to him. Now why would those in these circumstances go running to David? Well, let's remember that in the eyes of Israel, Saul is still king. And Saul is a bad king. And bad kings aren't just bad to certain people. They can be and will be bad to anyone and everyone. And it appears that these folks are closer on top of that will be bad to list. See, the ones in debt are more than likely in debt to the king. The ones in distress are probably suffering from any number of the king's edicts. And the ones who are bitter in soul would best be described as discontent or embittered. So we can see that this is a pretty ragtag group that has sought out David, of which it says there were about 400 men. Now notice it does not say 400 soldiers, because that's what David needed. He needed soldiers to fight and to protect him. And David realizes that they didn't come to bring him comfort, but instead came to be led by him. Now, David, in the midst of all this, realizes that his very vulnerable family, specifically his mom and dad, must be kept safe. As a matter of fact, they need refuge. They are in need of refuge. Refuge. Having family with you can bring comfort, but not in this particular case because they've actually come significantly closer to danger by being with David. So he takes them to Moab, and he requests refuge from the king of Moab who grants it. And why Moab? Because it sits outside, first of all, it sits outside of Saul's kingdom, okay? And it's suggested by some theologians that because of some family ties to Moab is why he went there. Not going to go into this. I'll just tell you, go look in the book of Ruth, Moab. You, 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 I'll let you go ahead and, and search that out. So we've seen the price that of David becoming a fugitive, his community on the run from the king's wrath, and even the need to find asylum for his family in another country. But now we come to the highest price to be paid. Saul now begins to turn on his own tribe. He's now accusing the tribe of Benjamin of having no support, no allegiance, no loyalty for him because they are not informing him of David's whereabouts. And back into the scene comes that guy Doeg. So Doeg gives up the place where David has been and who he re- who he received help from. And it is this assistance to the king that brings the price of even death To the innocent, even death to the innocent. And without going into details, church, what happens is simply Saul commanding them all to be murdered. Every one of them who came before him without fear or guilt. Because remember, back in chapter 21, when David comes to Ahimelech, Ahimelech is scared, he's trembling. He's trying to figure out why is David, the slayer of Goliath, the defeater of the Philistines, what is he doing here coming to see me? He doesn't have an army with him. And Ahimelech was a little shook. But when Saul calls for him, there's no concern. The king is called. So he and the rest of his priests and and his father's house, they all go to him. There's nothing to be fearful or anxious about. The king calls, we go. Only they went to be slaughtered. But that wasn't enough for Saul. He commands that every human being and all the livestock be slain. Church, I think in our vernacular day we would call this mass murder. But only one of the sons of Ahimelech escapes, Abiathar, And he runs to David and tells him of everything that Saul has done. Now, one of the aspects, church, of the Bible that has consistently been a challenge for us is the attempt to identify what exactly is the emotional state of key figures that we follow in Scripture. Like, for instance, after God spoke to Noah, what was Noah processing? When God went to Abraham... What was going on in his head? Pack up and leave? When God came to Moses, we, we get a little we get a little bit of a window into Moses and what he was processing. But you just kind of get this sense of just boy, what what was that like for them? Well, we have one who put his words, put his feelings, excuse me, into words, and his name is David. And we have the unique opportunity to stop and read. Exactly how he felt. Not just some of his feelings, but almost all of them. He didn't hold back. And we're just going to look at some of the real and raw of David. That's our second point today. The real and raw of David. So church, let's, let's just review what David is processing of the pr- and when it comes to the price, his community is paying. One, his new community. These new people have run to him. They're on the run just like he is. Two, his parents are hiding in another country. He can't even protect them. Three, Saul has taken the lives not only of the priests in Nob, but he's commanded that everyone be executed, even the children, simply because they live there. So can I ask you today, could it be that maybe you're thinking and processing right now just how it is that your community has changed? You know, it's not exactly the community you wanted, but it is the community that God has given you. Maybe today you've got parents who are still living. And because of their age and the circumstance of their health, you want to take care of them. You want to protect them. But you don't have the means to do so. Maybe there's some things in your life that have, that have passed on. Or maybe more specifically and more intimately, there's some people who have passed away. And as you stop and you just think about that today, the price of this is just too high. It's just too much. Any one of these situations would potentially send us to a very emotionally difficult place. I know that I've had moments, I imagine you have too, where you have seen somebody physically get angry. Some of us will clench our fists. Some of us will clench our jaws. Some of us have eyes that will just send daggers into you. I know that for my children, when I would see them get into a little bit of a frustrated space and they just, as a parent, and some of you might have done this, I use the phrase, use your words, use your words, okay? All right, let's, let's start there. Let's not start with the fist or the feet kicking or anything. Let's use your words. Let's start there. But let's be clear. Words can hurt. Words can hurt. But let's start with those. What words would you use to express how you feel? The hardships, the challenges that you've dealt with. Most of us, when it comes to the deep down stuff inside of us, we usually keep that pretty private. Maybe one or two trusted people you might share that with. Maybe. Well... Today we're going to just spend a few moments in what feels like we're going to be reading somebody's private diary. And that's David. Let's take a look at a few things David had to say. I want to encourage you, if you want to turn to Psalm 142. We're going to be looking at three psalms this morning. The first one is Psalm 142. Each one of these psalms is a moment in David's life. That we just read about in Psalm, and, and excuse me, in First Samuel 22. And when you wonder what he was thinking and what he was feeling, we're about to read that together. Psalm 142, David writes, "With my voice, I cry out to the Lord. With my voice, I plead for mercy to the Lord. I pour out my complaint before him. I tell my trouble before him. When my spirit faints within me, you know my way. In the path where I walk, they have hidden a trap for me. Look to the right and see. There is none who takes notice of me. No refuge remains to me. No one cares for my soul. Mm. I cry to you, O Lord. I say you are my refuge. My portion in the land of the living. Attend to my cry, for I am brought very low. Deliver me from my prosecutors, for they are too strong for me. Bring me out of prison that I may give thanks to your name. The righteous will surround me, for you will deal bountifully with me. Turn to Psalm 57. Psalm 57. In this moment... David escapes from the cave and escapes um, capture from Saul. David writes, be merciful to me, O God. Be merciful to me, for in you my soul takes refuge. In the shadow of your wings I will take refuge. Till the storms of destruction pass by. I cry out to my God, most high, to God who fulfills his promise for me. He will send from heaven and save me. He will put to shame him who tramples on me. Selah. God will send out his steadfast love and his faithfulness. My soul is in the midst of lions. I lie down amid fiery beasts, the children of man whose teeth are spears and arrows, whose tongues are sharp swords. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. They set a net for my steps. My soul was bowed down. They dug a pit in my way, but they have fallen into it themselves. Selah. My heart is steadfast, O God. My heart is steadfast. I will sing and make melody. Awake, my glory. Awake, O harp and lyre. I will awake the dawn. I will give thanks to you, O Lord, among the peoples. I will sing your praises to you among the nations. For your steadfast love is great to the heavens, your faithfulness to the clouds. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. Amen. And we're going to take a look at Psalm 52. This is the moment that David learns that it was Doeg who was Saul's informant. Listen to these words. David says, why do you boast of evil, O mighty man? The steadfast love of God endures all the day. Your tongue plots destruction like a sharp razor. You You, you worker of deceit. You love... Evil more than good, and lying more than speaking what is right. You love all words that devour, O deceitful tongue. But God will break you down forever. He will snatch and tear you from your tent. He will uproot you from the land of the living, Selah. The righteous shall see and fear, and shall laugh at him, saying, See the man who would not make God his refuge, but trusted in the abundance. Of his riches and sought refuge in his own destruction. But I am like a green olive tree in the house of God. I trust in the steadfast love of God forever and ever. I will thank you forever because you have done it. I will wait for your name, for it is good in the presence of the godly. Can you feel what he's feeling? he felt it he thought it and he wrote it down for us to be reading today i don't i don't think so i don't think so and you might think well why i mean here it is well let me ask you this could you speak to god in that kind of voice i mean listen listen david was here it is. It, 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 it's like in, in one voice, he's he's kind of letting God have it. Where are you? When are you going to deliver me? Do you not see what these evil people are doing to me? How they pursue me, how they persecute me. And then he turns and says, But you, O oh God, are my refuge. And you have to understand the significance of that moment because. The cave of Adullam, Adullam in Hebrew, is refuge. I think David figured out that the cave wasn't going to save him, but that it was going to be the Lord his God. Church, it takes faith to be able to speak to God in a real and raw voice. David knew what he was saying, but he also knew who was listening. But before we're done today, I want us to take a look at one last psalm. I know some of us would wonder well, man, when does Psalm 23 come into play here? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. It's such beautiful imagery. But I want us to take a look at the psalm right before that Psalm 22 which is a very different place. This particular psalm is one of, the, of great significance to our faith and our understanding of messianic prophecy. And what is messianic prophecy? It's, just, it's simply the Holy Spirit given voices that speak to and foretell of the one who is coming to redeem all that was lost to sin. And so our last point today we're going to be looking at is the prophecy. We're going to be looking at the prophecy. And if you haven't looked at this before, this could be a pretty amazing moment for you. So here's what we're going to do today. On the screen, you're going to see David's words. And then what I'm going to read to you is the actual fulfillment of those words. Starting with verse 1. David writes, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? In Mark chapter 15, verse 34, Mark writes, and at the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? In verses 7 and 8 in Psalm 22, David says, All who see me mock me. They make mouths at me. They wag their heads. And David even quotes what they say to him. He says, they say, he trusts in the Lord. Let him deliver him. Let him rescue him. For he delights in him. In Matthew chapter 27, beginning with verse 39. Let him come down now from the cross. And we will believe in him. He trusts in God. Let God deliver him now. If he desires him, for he said, I am the son of God. And then finally, in Psalm 22, verses 16 through 18, David writes, for God, for, for, excuse me, for dogs encompass me, A company of evildoers encircles me. They have pierced my hands and feet. I can count my bones. They stare and gloat over me. They divide my garments among them. And for my clothing they cast lots. And the Apostle John writes in chapter 19 of his gospel, starting with verse 23, he says, When the soldiers had crucified Jesus... so the soldiers did these things from the heart and story of david to the heart and story and life of jesus so church this is this is that time in our teaching time each week or after we've gone through scripture, we who stand in this space here, we, we wrestle with this, which is, okay, so now what? What's next? What are we supposed to do with this, Damien? Well, I will to share this with you. David's community is paying a price that he never signed up for. His family is in the protection of a foreign ruler. Hmm. Betrayal to curry favor with the king has now been seen and innocent people being slain. If David had known that when Samuel called for him from the sheep to be anointed the next king of Israel, do you think he would have done it? Do you think he would have agreed to it if he would have known what was coming? I don't think any sane person that I know would do it. And yet today, if there were those of you who are here, while David may not have felt like he had necessarily a choice in this, you do. You have an opportunity to choose Jesus today. You can choose him to make choose to make him your Lord and Savior. You can choose to have all of your sin forgiven. You can choose to be reconciled to God today. It is there. It is yours. Paul writes in Romans chapter 8, verse 1: There is now, therefore, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That's available to you to choose to have. And for those of you who have already chosen Jesus, but you're still in the believer phase. And I want you to understand, the believer phase is important. The believer phase is non-negotiable. You cannot have a relationship with Jesus. He cannot be your Lord and Savior if you do not believe in him. But Jesus did not call us to just believe in him. He called us to follow him. And you may yet have yet to begin this process, this journey of setting yourself aside and simply just being obedient to him. Jesus said, come and follow me. He didn't say, come to church on Sunday. Be served by everybody else. Be nice to the people you see. And go home. And just who is this Jesus that is giving this invitation, that is putting out this call today on your life? It is the Jesus who, unlike David, okay? Unlike David. See, David's just trying to survive. David's just trying to make it to the next day. David's trying to understand why is all this happening to me? What did I do? I don't deserve this. But Jesus, the Jesus who gives this invitation and puts out this call on your life, Jesus knew that he must come to seek and save the lost. And that the only way that was going to happen is that the price for him was laying down his life. Willingly. Willingly. Jesus was never trying to escape. He never came to find a cave. He came to be seen. He came to be heard. He came to show us, if you want to know what the heart of the Father is, look right here. And he did it willingly. And all he's doing today is he's calling you to come. He's calling you to just simply come. He knows the price you paid. He knows what you're dealing with in your life Right now in this moment, there's not a single thing that you are processing in your mind that the Lord God does not know. That Jesus is not fully aware of and that the Holy Spirit wants to walk with you and guide you through. But his invitation is to simply come. So as the worship team comes out, I want to offer this invitation. We normally, every week, we have people here who are going to be on the sides. And I want to invite our prayer team, um, if you're here this morning, to just go ahead and head to your spots. These folks are not here just to look good. They're not there just because they like to pray. Some people are into prayer. That is not a bad thing. But prayer has a purpose. It's our conduit to God. We ask. We talk. He does the same thing that he did for David. He listens. He hears us. And he is ready to respond to our prayers. Especially when we can get past that space of... Because some of us, like me, I, I whine. I complain. I resonate with David. There's times I'm talking to God and I just have to start... And it's like, it's almost like the Lord goes, are you done? Are you done? Do you have some more? Okay, go ahead. And then whenever you're done, talk to me about what's really going on. Tell me what's really happening. And then let's talk about how you and I are going to do this. Where I'm going to guide and you're going to follow me. Because the only reason why you're talking to me, Damien, is because you trust me, right? Yes, Father. All right, good. Now we can start. I don't know if that's your space today. If that is your space today, and if you would like to pray with someone, we have people here for you to pray with. Maybe today is a time and a space where you would just like to come here, because I don't know if you notice, we got a big old space that's up here. If you just want to come and stand and kneel before the Lord, because you want to talk to him. Because there's things that's nobody else's business. David wrote it down. You don't have to. You can come and you can just talk to him today. You can pour your heart out to him right now. And he is here. And all he is saying to you this morning is simply Come. Come.